Wonderful. It's good to be speaking to you this morning. Uh, as we've said and mentioned, that we're in this series called What's in the News? Last week was talking about the environment. Uh, it was really good what he said and about the little steps that we can take individually that will make a big difference to our world. And today, we're looking at social justice and poverty. And looking at the situation in, in our world at the moment, it is shocking and appalling. <coughs> but I am pleased to be able to talk to you about this subject today because it's a subject that is close to my heart. Um, I was a youth worker working for Train, uh, a charity that worked with young people. I actually randomly have my old colleague with me today, Karen, uh, has joined us for today <laughs> for some reason. Um, but <laughs> I don't know why you're here, Karen, but it's good that you're with us because I worked for a long time with Karen, uh, working with young people in this town who were vulnerable um, some of them because of the poverty that they faced in their homes. Some of them because of the uh, family background that they were brought up in made them vulnerable. And I worked for 13 odd years doing that, working with the young people of this town. And it was on our doorstep. The poverty that we saw and met was on our doorstep here in Digcot. And some of those situations were heartbreaking that we came across. So talking about social justice and poverty is something that um, I'm passionate about and excited to talk to you about this morning. So I'm going to talk to you about four things uh, this morning. I'm going to talk to you about what is the current situation in the world and the UK uh, and the need for us to take seriously social justice and tackling poverty. Number two, I'm going to talk about the biblical overview what does the Bible have to say? What is God's heart on these issues? And we will see that God's heart is very much for the vulnerable and the poor. And thirdly, we're going to look at, well, what have some Christians done in response to God's call to act justly in this world? And then fourthly, I'll give you a few thoughts, reflections about what we can do, and I include myself within that when I say we. What can we do in response to God's call to act justly in this world? So, I thought it would be good to have a definition before I talk about what is the current situation. Sometimes we can assume, can't we, that people know what you mean when you say a word or whatever it might be, social justice is a word that probably, or a term, that isn't really, really old. So, what is social justice? Well, the definition out there uh, in the secular world is, it's a concept of fair and just relations between the individual and society. This is measured by the terms for the distribution of wealth, opportunities for personal activity, and social privileges. But what is a Christian view of social justice? Because God is a God 
of justice. We see it in God's nature, and we will read more about that within the Bible. But a Christian view of social justice would be that a whole society where relationships between God, people, and all of creation are made right. So that's a Christian view of social justice. Quick definition of poverty. Good to talk about that as well. Uh, It might be slightly easier for us to talk about poverty and what is poverty definition. Well, we have here the state or condition of having little or no money, goods or means of support, a condition of being poor. And the Joseph Roundtree um, organisation seeks to tackle problems of poverty and it talks quite extensively about poverty in the UK. And to help us understand a bit about what poverty might look like uh, in the UK, they've come up with this lovely diagram, which I hope you can see. Right down the bottom here, um, it's got destitute. uh, And it says those who can't afford to eat Keep clean and stay warm and dry. Then the next percentage of people, those will be struggling, not enough income, falling, substantially short of a decent standard of living and high chance of not meeting needs. And then income below minimum income standard, getting by day to day, but under pressure, difficult to manage unexpected costs. The provision of God, maybe they need (laughs) In those unexpected costs, we too have also experienced the provision of God when we've had unexpected costs come. Uh, And then up in the top area, you can see those actually living um, a minimum income standard, which is, and they're able to afford the things that in the UK we deem you need to have to live a normal life, like a house, car, um, food, and warmth. So let me give a few examples of the social injustice and the poverty in the world that we see and also in the UK. Because our title of this series is What's in the News, we can look and not look very far before we see these issues around us. Um, My first one, the injustice of the 39 people Uh, that lost their lives, the Vietnamese people in this lorry. Not very long ago, just a few weeks back. Maybe the Vietnamese people were looking for a better life, um, but they have been abused, they've been taken advantage of, they've been used as a commodity, they've been ripped off. Some of the family members may have stumped up money around uh, some of the individuals talked about £30,000 to come to the UK. And those family members will have not just lost a son or a daughter, relative, a loved one, but they will have also lost money that, that they will never see again. This is people trafficking at its very worst. It's modern day slavery of people And it is wrong. It's evil. Um, Yeah, sorry. Uh, Secondly, 
the World Health Organization. They state about 1.2 billion people uh, living in this world, living on less than a dollar a day. And this poverty, what's 1.2 billion people? There's only about 7 billion people in this world, isn't there? That's a lot of people. Uh, That poverty creates ill health because it forces people to live in environments that make them sick, that without decent shelter, clean water, or adequate sanitation. Um, A few years ago, I had the privilege of going with my colleague Karen here, (laughs) and Jade as well. Um, We went to Kenya, uh, and we went to visit one of the slums in Kenya uh, called Kibera. And you can't see it so well here on this picture, but... uh, along the sort of pathway that we're picking our footsteps across, uh, down here is just a, a sort of gully, and in that is human excrement, um, unclean water, rubbish, just all sorts of horrible stuff. And uh, that's another picture as we look out onto the top of, we climbed a hill to look out onto the top of the slum. Um, And uh, just here were some toilets, actually, that people were encouraged to use because they simply didn't use them in the slum. And this poverty also leads to ill health, to death, and people being taken advantage of. And we, where we live, are so fortunate to live where we live in a world where we have clean water, we have um, flushing loos and good sanitation. We are very, very fortunate to live where we live. So poverty uh, in the UK, uh, we talked about it with that Joseph Roundtree picture. Uh, and that, at the bottom of that picture, it had destitute, those who couldn't afford to keep themselves warm, uh, to feed themselves. And they did a survey uh, and they did some work on this and they believe that in 2017, 1.5 million people in the UK were living in that bracket of destitute, of which 365,000 were children. That's quite a number of people in our country as well, living in destitution and poverty. Uh, There are just a couple of brushstrokes, a few scratching the surface, tiny surface of the injustice that we see in our news, but also of the poverty that we see in our news as well. Um, If I was to talk more about those things around the world, I'd probably still be here tomorrow, maybe at the end of the week, because there is so much of it in our world. So, it is difficult. There are lots of things that are wrong. There are lots of things that mean that people die uh, as a result of injustice, as a result of the poverty in the world. But the good news is, God has something to say about this. And let's have a look at what the Bible has to say on injustice, 
and justice itself and also on poverty. So my second point is we're looking at the Bible and what the Bible has to say on these issues. Deuteronomy, starting, God has called his people. He's brought them out of slavery, out of Egypt. uh, And as he's done that, he's brought them into the wilderness. Uh, God gives the people laws to help them live in community. So Deuteronomy is part of that where uh, Moses is given laws and to tell the people about how to live. And it says, people of Israel, if you want to enjoy a long and successful life, Make sure that everyone is treated with justice in the land the Lord is giving you. And then a little bit later on in Leviticus, same situation. God is giving laws to the people to help them live in their community. If any of you, of your people, become poor and unable to support themselves, you must help them. Just as you are supposed to help foreigners who live among you, don't take advantage of them by charging any kind of interest or selling them food for profit. Instead, honour me by letting them stay where they now live. Remember, I am the Lord your God. I rescued you from Egypt and gave you the land of Canaan so that I would be your God. God reminding them of what he has done for them to get them free from the injustice that they were facing as slaves. But also telling them to care and to support those who live amongst them. And as we look at the Psalms, God, as we worship God through the Psalms, one of the psalmists writes, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne." Love and faithfulness go before you. It is in the justice is the foundation of God's throne. It is in God's nature to be just. God then raises up the prophets. The people do not listen to God and they go their own way. They make their own decisions. They don't care for those around them. And so God raises up prophets to speak to the people, to tell them what they should do. We heard from Isaiah this morning. Debbie read out from Isaiah 6. Right at the beginning of Isaiah, uh, the first words, one Isaiah 1, 15, it says, Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And we see Isaiah um, really speaking to the people. This is what you must do. You're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. Later on in Isaiah 61, uh, a very famous passage uh, It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. 
a sense there of God speaking about how he, they will be seen if they do the ways of the Lord. And then a famous minor prophet, a small prophet named Micah comes forward and speaks these words that God put on his heart to speak. He says in Micah 6, 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It's a very short-ish passage, but it inspires a lot of people to respond to God's call to do justice and to seek and serve him in this world. And then Jesus comes. Jesus has a lot to say on a number of things. But on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Sometimes that word can be translated as justice as well. For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And Jesus had a number of things to say about poverty and getting our hearts right. Uh, and Chris, where are you? If you'd like to come up, please. Um, Jesus told a parable so that we could really understand God's heart for the poor. Um, and Chris has done a, a comic strip for us today. Chris has a, a skill for writing, uh, or sorry, for drawing comic stuff, but also uh, his humour as well. So I wanted Chris just to help us to hear a parable that Jesus shared with us. This is a modern day version by Chris, um, so it is a bit different, but it's a modern day version of the parable of the great banquet. Okay, can I just have Naomi's, uh, yeah, Mike, can you come on? We haven't rehearsed this. <laughs> So we will hope that it comes together and works. Okay. Hope so it really goes well the first time. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Is it actually working? Yes, I think. I believe it is, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, it's on. Yeah. Okay. So Chris is going to speak the words that you're going to see the characters acting out on the screen. You're in the way. <laughs> okay. When I next click right, it's going to start. Okay, Chris. Oh, I wasn't ready. Oh. That, that, that wasn't ready, too. Okay. Ready? Two, one, go. Adam, you know what today is? Yep, your birthday. Any plans? Go into town and invite all my friends. You got it, pal. Actually, just call me boss. <laughs> Whatever, pal. Okay, next one. Wait. Okay, I'm good. Oh, I can't wait to see the list of guests. About that. Oh, one of them couldn't make it? It's worse than that. I tried asking Rose, but she says she's uh, taking care of a school of dolphins at the zoo. Alex says she's practicing sword fighting. Ludacris says he's nowhere. Crazy, I know. Alqua and Starron are dating. Brynn's working on a huge robot to take over the world. The list goes on. No one's been invited. 
Adam, invite everyone in town you can. Beggars, anyone in need of a meal. Okay. Psh. Psh. Even muggers? Even muggers. Psh. Okay. Three, two, one. The heck? Only three people? Yeah, there's still room for more. Adam, we need to step up our game. Invite anyone you can in the land outside of town. I mean it. Farmers, policemen. Put that away, Adam. Policemen, bird watchers, bike riders, anyone at all. And I mean anyone. I want my house full. Let me tell you. Not one of those originally invited are going to get as much as a bite of my dinner party. <laughs> you should just do it! Oh, I've deleted the rest of it. Oh, no. It, oh, oh, no, no, that was just a new note. I pressed new note for some reason. Okay. Okay. Ready? Last part. Three, yeah, final, final bit. Three, two, one. So, you can see why I uh, made a new menu of food for the guests. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. <laughs> Wonderful. That was fantastic, Chris. Oh, it went well. It went good. <laughs> um, yeah, God's heart for the poor. He calls us to invite people, those rather than our friends or who we might like to see or those in honour, to call us to uh, a banquet to invite those in need those who are struggling, those who are out of our area that we don't always see. God's heart is for the poor. And finally, um, and I could have read a lot more verses on justice and poverty in the Bible, um, but just the sense of uh, us praying as well, that we too can pray uh, for this. Uh, intervention of God in this world, but also us and our part to play. And that is uh, in the Lord's Prayer, God instituted uh, and Jesus told us how to pray. And it says, I just realised this is playing in the background. <laughs> You're not listening to me, I'll just watch it again. No, anyway, it says the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is helping us, isn't it, to acknowledge that God is the Lord of the universe. He is sovereign over everything. There is nothing out of God's control. And we cannot limit God in all those things that we see. It might be so incredibly beyond our ability to see how we can change things. But we can pray. Things are not right here on earth. But we want God to break into this earth. We want God to break through, to bring about his will here on earth. Now. Not some point at the end, but now. So God's heart. Well, God's heart is... It's in his nature to be just. Uh, it's in his nature to be caring for the poor. And he wants us 
made in his image to do that, to be people who do justice uh, and serve those in need. So thirdly, my third point, let's look at what other Christians have done. A couple of people just to inspire you who are tackling the problems that we've just talked about. Um, Firstly, is uh, hope for justice on the left, on your right, no, your left, is Ben Cooley, who set up Hope for Justice. Uh, and on the right is Jeff and Muriel Chad. Anyone, they lead the church in Swindon that we're part of, Open Gate Churches. Anyone know why they're connected? Nick and they can't answer this question. <laughs> He has climbed Kilimanjaro for hope for justice, that's correct. And part of the reason he has is because Ben Cooley is their son-in-law. So he's married to their daughter. Uh, and they've known Ben for a very long time. Um, ben formed Hope for Justice in 2007. Uh, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of an excerpt from his story. Ben was sitting on a beach one day, taking some time out to plan a sermon. Feeling inadequate and uninspired, he called out to God for the right words to say. With just an hour left before the meeting, he was getting desperate when his thoughts were interrupted by a voice further down the beach shouting for help. Ben tried harder to focus on his prayers and his preparations, getting increasingly frustrated as the cries for help became more and more urgent. Just shut up, he said. I'm trying to hear Jesus. <laughs> At that moment, God spoke to Ben's heart and said, I hope this is not a picture of my church, ignoring the millions of cries for help from people across the earth because they are too busy with their meetings. As Ben got up to help the man down the beach, he was overwhelmed with conviction for God's heart for the broken and the oppressed. And in 2007, he formed Hope for Justice. Uh, and their plan is we exist to bring an end to modern slavery by preventing exploitation, rescuing victims, restoring lives, and reforming society. In 2014, uh, Ben's Hope for Justice combined forces with some other charities around the world so that they are now an international charity working around the world to combat modern slavery. And they have four aims that they wish to, to do these, uh, how to do that. So that is they aim to prevent, uh, they aim to rescue people who are trapped in modern slavery. They aim to res restore people who have been helping those victims to overcome the trauma. And they aim to reform, training professionals, spotting the signs of trafficking and helping them to respond campaigning for policy change as well. So that is Hope for Justice. Ben, just a, an ordinary lad growing up in Manchester, but now doing significant work for people around the world. Number two is the Archbishop, Justin Welby. Anyone tell me the social injustice and poverty that he has championed and done. 
He does champion cap, which will be my third point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's right. Loan shark. Well, loan sharks, but actually not sort of sharks, but people, legitimate businesses. Yes, Wonga, indeed. So the payday loans industry in 2009, it was one billion. The industry was worth one billion. Um, in 2012, it was two billion. Um, and the average loan size was only £270. Yet in 2013, Wonga was able to charge 5,853% on those loans. Completely wrong. Often the most vulnerable people were taking out these payday loans. Um, and there wasn't any legis legislation or regulation. So Archbishop Welby did something about this. He spoke in the House of Lords about it, uh, but he also decided to do action as well. It's not just about speaking out, it's about action in justice and poverty. Um, and he helped to uh, set up uh, credit unions, and he wanted churches to be a part of that. And he said to Wonga, I want to compete you out of business rather than uh, just make you out of business by legislation. Um, However, I don't think the credit unions completely worked, but he still did something about it rather than nothing. And uh, wonderfully, um, Office of uh, Fair Trade um, uh, now gave it over to Financial Conduct Authority, and they dramatically changed the reg uh, regulation and how it's all done. And now, today, um, the industry is estimated at only £220 million. Pounds. And... They can only char charge a maximum interest of 0.8% a day. So what I like about Welby's approach is he's not just speaking about it. He's someone who sits in authority, isn't he? Uh, but he also did something as well. So that was good. Just like Ben Cooley, doing something, not just saying something. Thirdly, Christians Against Poverty. Yay! We love CAP because we are a CAP church. And uh, John Kirby believed that God was calling him to sacrifice his career in finance and use his knowledge of the industry to help the poor. Uh, CAP, since uh, 1996, has grown over 300 debt centres across the UK. Uh, its debt centre work uh, has really expanded. There are um, hundreds of uh, no, not hundreds of volunteers, hundreds of workers and 10,000 or so volunteers working to support people with those in debt, but also broadening their vision to help those people um, with CAP life skills, CAP job clubs, helping to tackle some of the problems that have led them to debt as well. We as a church have been involved in CAP. We love, we love the fact that CAP is something that we can do to work in our society to help people. And uh, you can volunteer to be a a cap worker meeting and helping people uh, with their issues. And uh, just talk to Nick and Naomi about that. And they will gladly help you and put you in contact with how to do that. So the summary is, and I like um, John Kirby's uh, testimony as well, because the reality is, is for John Kirby, everything had fallen apart for him. Lost his job, uh, lost his family. But God met him at that moment. And he responded to the call that God had on his life. And it's made a massive difference to poverty and tackling 
and supporting those people who are in destitution in our country. So fourthly, how do we respond? Well, my final point are just a few recommendations. A few recommendations. They are small things, but if we all change and we all do it, as Michael encouraged us to do, it will have an impact. Number one, for you to think about, is hashtag look again, Christians Against Poverty. We've got a campaign. They're calling on the Chancellor to do more to prioritise people who are poor and struggling in the UK. Um, you can sign up to their petition online. Just look for that hashtag look again to do that. I've done that this week. Uh, secondly, uh, hope for justice. You could support, continue to support Jeff, who's climbed a mountain, to, uh, and I'll post about it this week on the Facebook group. You could pay a little bit of money just to support that wonderful organisation. Uh, I haven't talked about them, but food banks are important in how we help and support people in this country as well. We have one here in Digcot. Maybe you want to think about doing a Christmas Advent um, gift to the food bank. And the things that they need there, they don't need the sort of um, chocolate stuff, <laughs> but they do need um, tins of packet soup, tins of meat, veg, fish, fruit, puddings, etc. Um, cereals, toothpaste and um, uh, soap, uh, shower gel, etc. Those are things that people need. So you could give to that this Advent. Thirdly, prayer. It probably should be number one, actually, prayer. <laughs> but anyway, I want to say prayer is important. Pray to God. Where do you want me, God? What do you want me to do? What small little thing can I do to be part of your kingdom, to bring about justice to this world and to help those in need? Um, I'm just going to pray now for us and then I'll say a final point to finish. I'm going to pray for the young people as well. Lord, we thank you that you are a God whose heart is for the poor. We thank you that it is in your nature to do justice and that you are part of that by sending your son, Jesus, to be with us to do and set things right in this world. Lord, I pray for us as a congregation that we will play our part in serving you to do justice, in serving you to serve the poor on our doorstep, but also those around the world as well. Uh, and I want to pray specifically, I believe that God is calling someone today, uh, this one person, to seriously pray and ask God where they want them to be, to give their lives to serving in this area. I encourage you to pray, if that's you, nudged by, your Holy, by the Holy Spirit nudging you, to think about where you're going in your career and whether God is calling you to something totally different. I pray for the young people as they come in. Um, Lord, I want to thank you for the young people that you have given us in our church. And I pray that there will be many of them who will live and work to do your kingdom work in this country and in this world. That we will have our own Ben Coolies 
amongst us, amongst our young people, who people will talk about and say, they came from Didcot. And they had God's heart for the poor to do things and to God's heart for justice in this world. I pray these prayers in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. My last words are God's words because God's words are usually be- much better than my words. So, Jesus reminds us uh, in Matthew 6, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpet, trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So let's not big ourselves up about what we do or what we give to. And you can see in my final slide, Micah 6. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Huge amount of... uh